Hello and welcome to Sobre Mesa podcast. My name is Owen Gomartin and today Spain has a new government, a progressive left-wing government, probably the most progressive government in Europe right now. And I'm joined by one of one of the government's MPs, uh, the General Secretary of the Samar Parliamentary Group, Chema Guijaro. Chema, it's, it's great to have you here. It's a pleasure to be with you, Owen. What are you what are your thoughts today on today? So we have we have the investiture, Pedro Sanchez has a, another four years potentially in Moncloa and re-elected on an absolute majority, bigger majority than four years ago. Supposedly Yolanda Diaz will continue now as a Labour minister. Where what, what did the vote today mean for Spain as a country? Well, first of all, I would say that it enables us to work with what the people, what the Spanish people told us the 23rd of July, the day that we had uh, general elections. That is, I mean, the mandate that we had from the Spanish people was to stop the uprising of a, uh, a right-wing government or, or ultra-right-wing government as we have been managed, right? So in a, in a lot of senses, I would say that what we do today is uh, fulfill that uh, demand from the Spanish people, right? Uh, and in that sense, I would say that uh, we, could, we could say that it's a tri- triumph and that we have a lot of uh, reasons to celebrate today, right? But anyhow, the, the hard work starts on Monday, right? So we will drink and dance, yeah. but knowing that on Monday, we will need to be very early at the office, starting to prepare a huge battle, right? Obviously, one of, one of, one of the issues we've seen over the last two weeks have been the, the violent protests surround, uh, outside the... Socialist Party headquarters, where you've had up to 10,000, 10, I think eight, eight, ten thousand people outside surrounding the Socialist Party headquarters, far right protests, charges with police, violent confrontations. What the atmosphere has been one of a one of a exceptionality, really. No, I mean these 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 protests have also been driven from above by well, no, by Athnar, no, by the judiciary, by the you know the day before the day before. The first very very violent protest, uh, the Audiencia Nacional indicted Puigdemont, the ex-Catalan prime minister, on terrorism charges, like ridiculous, ludicrous terrorist charges. What you know? So you have this sort of the vote took place in an atmosphere of exceptionality, in which you know you have violence on the the streets, in which you have conservative elites in the state rebelling against the the government and obviously the amnesty law which has been negotiated um, between the government parties and the Catalan parties. I mean, can you talk about that exceptional atmosphere and the role of the right and the conservative state elites in creating this atmosphere? Well, I, I understand that we can call uh, the, the actual situation as exceptional, but in a lot of senses, it's been the... I mean, the history of Spain over the past 40 years. But what I mean with this is that over these years, whenever the left has uh, arrived to power, we've had this kind of attitudes from the right-wing parties, not only from Partido Popular. I mean, we always said, we always say that in Spain, the basic problem that we have with the right-wing is that they consider that power is this, is theirs. And whenever the right, the, the left-wing parties arrive to power, it's some kind of... Um, exceptional moment where they have been um, 
um, you know, taken away what they what it what it belongs naturally to them, and therefore they have they have the right to uh, charge against that reality, whatever the cost might be. I mean, there is no democrat democratic boundaries that will stop them from doing what they want to do, and in that sense, what we say is that unfortunately, the Spanish right wing party right wing parties never left the Francoist uh, uh, ideology. I mean, they they never... Um, the state is theirs. Yeah, that's it. I mean, they never, they, they never bought the democratic principles. Uh, democratic principles only serve uh, in, the, in the means for them to power, right? But if those means do not give them those, that power, then the government is, as they say, illegitimate, right? And that it's, uh, I mean, that is the the word that we have been uh, listening over this past four years and that will be uh, newly re uh, reminded to us each day uh, from Monday uh, on, right? So what can I say? We leave it as an exceptional moment, but when you take uh, a historical pers perspective, what you see out of there is uh, a very clear pattern that they have been following over this past 40 years. I mean, the protests have been incredible in some ways because of the, the fascist symbols, uh, even anti-monarchist symbols, um, you know, homophobic chants, racist chants, the involvement of, of football hooligans and other fascist groups sort of combining and co um, with, with Vox, and, you know, Vox's leadership has been there. Well, Esperanza Aguirre has been there as well. I mean, it's been a sort of carnival of of the extreme right in in Spain. What 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 have your impressions of these protests been? Well, um, I think that I mean over this past uh, 20, 30 years, um, we had the idea that these people had um, had um, learned out of the historical experience, right? And they did in in a way that they have they had. Um, assumed, as I told you before, these democratic principles, right? But I mean, what the, what the problem, the, the basic problem, at least as I see it, is that whenever we reach to a certain point in the history of this country, where important decisions have to be taken, right? They will never recognize the democratic debate that takes place uh, underneath that, right? So this, this uh, my, my explanation at least, I would say that I understand that this happens because for these people, the idea of Spain is even, it comes even before than democracy, yeah. right? So this is a very uh, graphic way to put it. Spain is not what the Spaniards want it to be. Spain for these people is what God, whatever that might be, wants Spain, Spain to be, right? And so it is impossible, I mean, in a, in a very ontologic way, it is, it is impossible to sit with those people, with this kind of people, and reach agreements. Because the only way that we will have an agreement with them is if we buy entirely the speech and the, you know, uh, the, their ideology. And that is something that, of course, is never going to happen. Yeah, exactly. The sort of essentialist idea of Spain, uh, you know, national Catholic 
it doesn't, you know, I, I read over the summer, I read, what's the name of the, the, the Vox's, Vox MP, MEP, their intellectual, Jorge Bouchonet, yeah. I read his book and it's, you know, it is, basically he says you cannot, you know, you don't get to choose what Spain is or you don't get to choose not to be part of Spain. You are, you are Spanish and, you know, Spain is a Catholic country and that's, there's nothing, there's no two ways about it. Um, obviously, the current tensions revolve around the, the amnesty law that was negotiated between the government parties and, and the Catalan parties. I mean, it was a necessary, you know, a really necessary measure to bring bring to end the sort of criminalization of the Catalan independence movement. Do, is it fair to say we have seen sort of pragmatism from, from Puigdemont and, you know, a changed attitude from some of the Catalan parties? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I would say that it's been more than pragmatism. I mean, if you read the, the text of the new law, of the amnesty law, um, you will understand that they have assumed that the conflict can only be, of course, can only be uh, resolved in democratic terms, but in legal terms too. I mean, there is no way out of law, right? And that is something that they had lost over the past decade. So what we have in this last week is a, a is a return, you know, in a very literal sense, to the legal uh, um, ways of uh, doing politics, and in that sense, is a I would say that is a hundred and eighty degree change. Right, we were in a in a direction of collision, you know, over these past ten years, and since the past week, I would say. We've changed that uh, direction and we're facing some common space. I, well, I don't know yet if we will reach that space, but at least we're facing it. And it is something that would, that should give us at least another point. No, definitely. And I mean, how do, you, how do you see, I mean, there's a lot of questions around um, do judiciary's response to this now. Like, do they, can they, can they block the amnesty coming into, into effect? You know, they're going to the Supreme Court looks like it's going to bring appeals to both the Constitutional Court and the European Court of Justice. The The law has been designed and written to very much curtail and limit the margin for these conservative judges to try and block it. But where do you see the amnesty law going from here? Because, you know, obviously Puigdemont is still in exile in Brussels. He can't come back. You have, yeah, I mean, people potentially still facing trial. Other leaders, such as uh, Oriol Junqueras, is, is barred from pu- uh, running from public office. So a lot of people waiting for this, you know, this amnesty law to come into effect, to have the criminal consequences uh, lifted, you know, whether it's, yeah, you know, debarment or, you know, um, arrest warrants, etc. So how, how do you see the, the the law going forward, like in terms of going to a, into effect, barriers towards that, etc.? Well, of course, um, the right-wing the right-wing parties they have put a, put into effect this kind of strategy where, I mean, they're going to to try to stop that that uh, law in in every space that they can, right? But I would say that the only real um, trench where they can stop that law is uh, in European levels, right? Because in Spanish levels, it's not going to happen. They do not have that power, and um, 
uh, they don't they don't have the reasons, right? So they're not going to win that battle. I'm quite sure. The only chance that they could have would be in the European courts. But if you read the text, it's obvious that it's been written in order to fit the European uh, perimeter. You know, even more than the Spanish one. Right? It's written for European eyes, and that is uh, at least for me, it's it's very obvious, right? So. Um, I think that's why what I that's why I think that they are going to fail because the only chance that they have is Europe, and I think that as I say that flank has been very well covered uh, in this in this uh, wording, right? So they will shout, they will um, say as always that uh, you know heaven is falling down and that we're about to enter hell, but. Uh, the day after, we will wake up, uh, see that the day is still there and that the world has not disappeared and um, things will start to, 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 to walk from then on, right? Yeah, because we're, we're always, I mean, how many times are we, you know, I think what's the uh, General Council of Judicial Power? Oh, no, it was the, 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 the main association of magistrates in, in Spain said, you know, we're we're at the beginning of the end of democracy, and we're always at the beginning of the end. It never quite, we never quite reach the end. We never quite reach the dictatorship. There's, you know, the right have been talking about a coup d'état, the end of the rule of law for years at this point, and you know, so basically since Sanchez got into power. No, so it's yet here, we, yet here we all are still, you know, still somehow in a in a liberal democracy, right? Yeah, waiting for Armageddon that never happens. Exactly. And what about like I mean. Obviously, the wider territorial issue. I mean, you have, I guess, the agreement with Esquerra to to bring the the railways, the rodiales, into into autonomous community level, and you have the the question of like uh, regional debt, etc. I mean, is this? Do you think? Do you see the next four years as being one of uh, what's the word? It's greater um, ter- greater territorial autonomy, a sort of a new. Well, not, not a new. I mean, obviously, it has to work within the constitutional boundaries, but like a new territorial, ar- ar- I don't know if arrangement is too strong a word, but like a new, new moves on the territorial question. Absolutely, absolutely. Look, oh, in in the past uh, four years, even though we had a territorial problem, very obvious territorial pro- problem, the government never faced, you know, directly that problem, because. I mean, there were different reasons, or you might say excuses, right? Um, we don't have the numbers. Um, the debate is not uh, its not warm enough. That kind of excuses, right? But now we've reached a point where um, the numbers are what they are. So there's no reason or excuses that, that may serve for this. I mean, the camera wants, uh, wants to open a debate around the territorial issues and that means that th- that debate is going to be opened right so they will have to face it that's that's for sure the que- the territorial question does not only have to to uh, to do with the catalan issue of course or with independent uh, issues when I'm talking about catalonia or euskadi it has to do in fact with a much more um i would say immediate problem that we have and that is the um, the way in which we fund the welfare state in Spain, which is, as you know, based on territorial 
on the territorial structure of the state. Right now, the territorial state does not have the funding to face that demands. So it is a must that we have as MPs to face and address that problem. So we are going to have to, to face it anyhow. And that means that when we open that debate, because of this particular context that we live in, that debate is going to move quickly into structural issues, right? Not only about funding or you know, the, the, the operational way in which it, which it takes place, but in, you know, in principle issues. So in a lot of ways, there is no, there is, there is no possible excuse now, right? And in fact, if you heard Sanchez today in, in the Congress, it was the first time over these past years that he has been, you know, crystal clear about this issue. We are going to face the territorial question. We're going to, we're going to speak about funding, right? And we are going to, um, you know, put an end to this uh, kind of, um, you know, moment, this last 10 years in Spain where we've been living this situation where we know that things are not working out, but we don't have the power, neither the means to put an end to that, right? So now I think that we're facing this new phase where these uh, fundamental issues come back to on front. And that means that we have to have the intelligence to use them, right? And to understand that we have a window of, of opportunity that must be, must be, in a very literal sense, aprovechado. Um, uh, taken advantage. Take, taken advantage of it, right? Yeah, no, exactly. I guess the other area where, because obviously one of the issues is the governing majority now includes two centre-right parties, the Basque Nationalist Party, Junts, Junts per Catalunya. And so maybe there isn't quite the same margin as the last four years in terms of uh, passing progressive social and work and labor legislation. No, I mean, the great achievement of the last four years has been the, you know, in particular, the uh, the agenda around uh, labor rights, workers' rights, being being pushed from from the labor ministry, Yolanda Diaz. No, I mean, um, I think there's no real parallel anywhere else in Europe for that. And I think that has been like the, the motor of the, of the coalition's success in, in many ways. Um, I mean, now, in this moment, in the next four years, what's going to happen in terms of, like I said, there seems to be a consensus potentially around also what you could call democratic reforms within of the Spanish state, maybe uh, you know, around the gag law, for example, or around um, changing the rules for the renewal of the judicial power. I mean, you know, the left's has been also plagued by lawfare. You guys have been the victim of this. I mean, how how important are democratic reforms of the Spanish state um, in the next four years, seen as you have a, you know, I guess what you would call a democratic anti-fascist majority? Well, I would say that, um, moreover, I mean, it's, it's not only a majority that defines itself as anti-fascist, but I think that uh, we also have certain points in common that will enable us to govern together. What do I mean with this? Um, it is true that now we have uh, this, uh, this two, these two parties 
let's let's call them right wing parties from the Basque country, uh, PNV and from Catalan country, Junts, uh, right? And of course, that's that's been one of the main reasons that made, uh, at least uh, in, a in a in a first moment, that made Pedro Sanchez say that it's it was not going to be. Um, we are not going to have a very uh, strong social agenda, right? Of course, we 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 revealed against that uh, that um, uh, position from Sanchez, but we believe that is that this, it doesn't have necessarily to be true. That what do I mean with this? Look, the Vasque, what we call the Vasque right wing party, Partido Nacionalista Vasco, is in a lot of ways. And this is historic over the past 20, 30 years. It has been much more to the left uh, wing side of the of the specter than the Spanish uh, right wing sense. I mean that is that that is quite clear, right? In fact, if you see, if you see the kind of uh, political society that they build up in the vast country, you will see that there is a strong welfare state built. Precisely, but those people that we call right-wing party, right? Mm -hmm. So that's why I say I'd love to have a right-wing Spanish party that uh, it's kind of similar to that kind of Basque right-wing, right? So that's that. Uh, but it has to be with a Basque issue. When it comes to the Catalans, it's true that Junts, the Catalan right-wing party, is in a lot of senses much more on a right-wing position, you know, in a natural sense, right? But what we what we have, uh, you know, clear over this past uh, next years is that what they are going to pri pri prioritize, prioritize is the territorial agenda and especially the agenda that affects them. The fact that, uh, you know, they've been, you know, pushed to this situation and uh, they want some kind of uh, way out, right? And we already have an amnesty law there that fulfills those kind of uh, demands, right? So that is the kind of agreement that we have with them. We are going to develop you know, um, a, a way to, to democratically solve the problem that we have in Catalonia, but you cannot stop the social agenda, as we put it, and that those social agenda, as I say, it's not a, it's not a secret social agenda. We've said publicly what we want to do, and what we uh, receive from the other side, I mean from Junes in this sense, is a positive answer, right? So in that sense, I would say that at least what we have right now is the possibility to do it. And we as MPs have the obligation to try, right? So that is what, what we're going to do. Very clearly, right? Um, what are what are Sumar's priorities then in that sense for the for this next um next term in office? I mean, um the program for government has really interesting policies around reducing the work week, uh potentially you know, improving workers' rights around um, termination, etc. Also, the other issue, I suppose, is housing. Housing is a big issue here, you know, here. And um, the housing law sort of feels like it's an unfinished business. I mean, what 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 do you see as your your priorities for, for the next four years? 
Yeah, of course, the social agenda is always in the top of uh, everybody's mind in this in this sense. As you said, housing is, is, is one of the main problems, but not only that, you know, unemployment, uh, the fact that the salaries in Spain and in, in all the world, in Europe, they have lowered over these past uh, months, years. I mean, there's a lot of challenges that we have in, in that sense. But if, if you want me to point out one specific point in that sense, I would say that is the fiscal policy. Fiscal policy. That is the key policy that we need to um, unchain in order to put, uh, you know, to, to move other, uh, the other agendas. For example, one of the main agreements, one of the main points in the agreement is that we're going to, um, uh, how do we say, normalize the um, society's, society's tax, impuesto de sociedades. Corporate tax. Corporate, that's it, corporate tax, right? Meaning that the minimum that companies will pay is a 15%, right? And of course, uh, that uh, percentage will increase uh, in order of uh, certain variables, right? But that minimum of 15% means that the state will recollect in Spain around 10,000 million euros per year. 10 billion. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, sorry. The, the English billion. Sorry. 10 billion uh, uh, euros per year. Right. Per year. Just, you know, so you understand the scale of this issue. One of the main um, policies that we've applied over the past years, you know, the, the, the how do you say, the, the gratuity of transport? No. Free, free public transport or like, yeah, the, and the, redu well, the reductions, uh, 60% reduction in public transport and you're... Like one of the pr promises is to make public transport free for young people, unemployed, and yeah, different groups, different vulnerable groups of society. That's it. Well, that that measure, we we say that it's approximate. It's a, it's a huge message. Uh, I mean, it's a huge measure, and it has a huge impact, right? Well, that measure, it's around one billion and two billion, right? So we're talking about ten million immediately. As, no, as long as we as we take that measure, of course. So, the the only way that we will face those social challenges, including the territorial one, which I told you before, it's very much linked to the social issue, is very much if we are able to uh, to uh, face that fiscal uh, reform that we need to do. Of course, it's not solely it's not only corporate taxes. It has to do with, um, I mean, all the all the scheme as as a, as a as a as a whole, right? But I I put you this as an example, just so that you understand the importance of these pre measures. We would say in order to face the other measures with some kind of guarantees. And, I mean, obviously the ministries themselves haven't been quite announced yet. Yolanda is is for sure staying in 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 labour. Do we know any others? What's, what's your? Are you, you're probably not allowed to tell me that, are you? Well, in fact, I don't know. I mean, so uh, that's uh, sometimes in politics, it's very good to don't know things, right? So you don't have to lie. So I, I very much don't know. And in fact, I'm not very much worried about it. I mean, that is something that uh, will be solved in the, in the next hours. I, will, I was going to say days, but it's going to be hours. It will be what it has to be. And we will have to uh, work with those uh, uh, with this this new cabinet, right? Yeah. So that is not that is not a, a main problem. We we don't know yet if we're going to have four or five or three ministers. 
We don't know yet the names, but we do do know the policies that we've uh, that we've uh, managed to to negotiate, and that is the main active, the main capital that we have right now. And you you have one of the the hardest jobs in politics. So you have you have to control. You have to like sort of manage and control the left. Though you're like the general secretary of the parliamentary group, uh, which isn't which isn't easy at the best of times. I mean. How obviously Sumar is a new formation. It's only been set up in the last, you know, it was and it was forced to to sort of very rapidly organise for a campaign and hadn't ex- nobody had expected. I mean, how how are you finding the internal dynamics within the parliamentary party trying to work together with, you know, such a diverse collection of of left wing and and green forces? Well, in our space, I would say that we still have to face a lot of the um, of the um, dynamics that we had built over these past years. So in a lot of senses, we're still struggling against certain inertia, we would say, right? But I think that in this, this past few months that, we, that we've started to work on this project, I think that we've already achieved certain stages, we could say, which makes the future promising right i don't want to i don't want to be too optimistic but at least i want to think that uh, the the steps that we're uh, taking this in these past uh, days are leading us to somewhere right what do i want to mean what do i say with this of course we are still uh, facing this uh, tendency of the of the parties that uh, form part of the space uh, to look over their themselves right this uh, identity problem that's a well, issue let's say that we've uh, been facing over these past uh, years and so this is very very difficult you know to work in the in a day-to-day in a daily basis right but i think that we've managed to to start at least to start this um this turn right in order to avoid this um this l- this logic, right? This, uh, I would say, centrifugal, uh, uh, no? Yes, go in your own direction. Yeah, yeah, that's it. So we need to establish a, a new dynamics that that helps us helps us bring together uh, proposals, right? And as I say, at least I'm pretty sure that at this stage of the of the of the game, I'm pretty sure that the parties have the will to do it, the will to do it. And you might say that is not enough, and of course it is not enough. But over this past, when I see these past years, what I think is that as long as we start with this will, we have a chance, right? And that is something that we have not had in these past years. So the fact that these parties are manifesting in a very literate you know, and direct sense that there is this will, I think that at least that will enable us to start walking the path. Of course, the path is very long and we still don't know how it looks at the end of it, right? But I think that um, we were we were not quite sure to be able to start that path, um, I don't know, two months ago. And now I'm starting to think that we will be able to do it, right? So in that sense, the optimistic side is beginning to um, to win out. To win out, yeah, that's it. Um, 
not to put a dagger on it, but Podemos is put is does Podemos have that will? Where you know, obviously last night Pablo Iglesias announced that there's a veto against Podemos entering the government. They were the dominant force on the Spanish left since 2015. This would mean they, you know, they'd be left without a minister. You know, he was the architect of the previous progressive coalition. There would be no left-wing coalition without without him. Not that that necessarily means anything, but where is Podemos in this, basically, I guess, is the question. Well, I, I guess Podemos is in, a, in a, is in a stage where they're deciding what they want to be when they grow up, okay. right? Um, to put it, to put it mildly, right? Um, I mean, there is a debate in the in in this organization, and it's um, and it's uh, I think it's good that they have that debate and that they clarify what they want to do in in the next uh, in the next future, right? But look, just to point out what I said before, you mentioned Podemos, the fact that Podemos has bought the rhetoric of unity, of the need, you know, to build a new space, etc. Even though they have not uh, demonstrated uh, such will in, you know, in practical terms, but still they keep the, you know, the narrative, that means that the narrative has won. I mean, that nobody right now would be understandable if they don't first of all if they don't assert themselves themselves in this position right so in a lot of ways i would say that is a win of course there's still a lot to do but uh, in a lot of ways i think that we've won another area where i think spain is an outlier in europe in a, in a very positive sense is in relation to the gaza conflict um you know Pedro Sanchez himself is, you know, along with the Irish Irish Premier and maybe one or two others are one of the few that are speaking out against the the policy of ethnic cleansing of, of you know potential genocides um, in 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 Gaza. Um, you know these horrific attacks um, being undertaken by the Israeli Defence Forces. One of the, you know, talking about an ethno nationalist government. You know, there's no. Does, it's not a coincidence that Vox would be, you know, very supportive of Israel in that sense. Um, I mean, where, where, what is Sumar's position? What, ne- what does, what more does Sumar want this new government to do on this issue? You have the European president, the presidency of the European Council. This, this is a moment where you, ha- Spain has weight. What should it be doing more than obviously it could do when you were just a government in, uh, like a caretaker government. Well, I mean, we as a party or as a as a space have always demanded the recognition of the Palestinian state for link uh, from the Spanish government, right? The Spanish state. Unfortunately, unfortunately, that is something that is not going to happen in the short term because the Socialist Party will never buy, at least in the short term, this position. But still, what we have right now is that we will promote in Europe the uh, recognition of the European states uh, to the Palestinian, right, to the Palestinians. And um, of course, it's—I uh, mean, I'm, 
I think it's a good policy, but of course it it, it is not enough. Uh, what we have been claiming for is that Spain unilaterally recognizes the, Spal the Palestinian uh, state as the Swedish did uh, some years ago, as other European states have done uh, over these past years. And it, and I think it's kind of obvious that, that those decisions, uh, it, it, they were good for the Palestinian struggle, right? And so we need to enforce that struggle, that democratic struggle, in order to make sure that there is some kind of hope because the absolutely uh, demoralizing fact about this issue is that the Palestinians have been pushed to a corner where there is nothing but blackness, right? And as long as they stay there, the Palestinians or any other people in the world will reveal. So the only way to put an end to this situation is to give hope. And hope means, as I understand it, recognition. That is a basic issue. Are there other issues like an arms embargo? Is that something again? Yeah, that that was, I mean, one of the basic issues that we have been pushing forward. The fact that we need yeah, to push this uh, arms embargo uh, with the Israeli states. I mean, we cannot collaborate with a state that, as, I, as we see it, is committing a genocide right now in Gaza, right? So that is something that it should be obvious for the international community. In fact, in the United Nations, the atmosphere that has been building over these past days uh, around this issue, I think that points in that direction, right? So what we need to do is listen to the world, not, not, not listen to the Occidental elites. Mm -hmm. Listen to what the world is saying, right? And in that sense, what I would like to be is a reference not only for Europe, but only for the, but also for the whole planet. I mean, Spain is interesting in that sense because you are the sort of bridge between Europe and Latin America, the Lat Latin American pink tide, the progressive governments. Your own trajectory comes from that. Obviously, you worked with um, Rafa Correa in, in Ecuador. Um, and I think you might be the only person I know who's had a book written about them. No, you're... What's the name of the book? Uh, Analista... Yeah, something like that. Yeah, exactly. So it was about your your time working um, as an intelligence officer, more or less, for for the Ecuadorian government, in which you helped um, helped organize the asylum for Julian Assange in London, and you were with Edward Snowden in Moscow. I mean, does that seem like a lifetime ago? Those type of things, or you know, I mean, obviously, it's both both their cases are still ongoing. I mean, they're still active cases. Julian Assange's situation, in particular, is very dire. Um, What's, yeah, what, does this seem like a long time ago? And how do you, what's your opinion on Assange's case now? Well, it, it's, it's been, objectively, it's been kind of a long time ago. For me, it's been uh, 10 years, right? Or even more. But still, even though those years have passed, I, I still feel that I have a, a personal um, link with that, with uh, not only that struggle, but with Julian Assange. Uh, as a, as a as a person, as a friend, as an as a, and also as an activist, right? So, in that sense, that link has never vanished. I will, I will fight, or at least I will try to fight for that cause as long as I I can, right? And um, as I say, I, I really hope that um, we will push forward the case in order to 
free at last uh, this this uh, journalist, which is uh, Julian Assange, right? Of course, Snowden is, is a different issue. But if you ask me about the, the links between Latin America and, um, and uh, Europe, I would say that... How, how to put it? Um, I, 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 in, in a lot of senses, I miss the, the Latin American politics, right? It, it was a very fresh kind of way of, of doing politics. It was a very... You know, when, when you face... Uh, countries that have a real social problem, the fact that you can at least start to solve those problems and that you can at least begin to touch certain results, you know, that is very, very much gratifying in a, in a, in a political sense. The fact that you think that you have contributed to the To, to, to the welfare of millions of people, right? That is something, you know, very, very much, as I say, you know, very much uh, fulfilling. Of course, when you come to Europe, the, the European politics is always, you know, much more difficult to carry out. Things are much, uh, we could say, institutions are heavier, you know, in a, in a, in a negative sense, let's say. And so it's very much, uh, it's much more difficult to change the state of things, right? But what I learned from the Latin American experience uh, when I translated that into European issues, that is a, a, a premise that I learned very much from Correa, from Rafael Correa, the, the Ecuadorian president. The fact that when you are brave in your policies, when you are brave in your policies, and you're able to explain to your people the objective and the means of those policies, the people will support you. And the enemies that will always try to kick you out will, uh, I don't know, well, they, they will not stop, of course, but in a lot of ways, they will understand that it's not going to be that easy, right? That the fact that there is governments answering or responding to social uh, demands makes the struggle against those policies much 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 more difficult right and so for me it was a, a an incredible experience right in the sense that the european state of of, of mind uh, always makes you uh, you know take this position don't be too um uh, ambitious Right, uh, but when you come from America, ambition is your only means, right? And you understand that ambition, in a lot of ways, is the the motor, the engine that keeps you here, right? So, in a lot of senses, I still wake up in the mornings thinking that that um, that those learnings are still very much useful for what I do here in Spain. Final question. I mean, I was talking to a Catalan politician recently and he sort of pointed out that, you know, when you think of the sort of the last 10 years of Spanish politics, for example, the, on the left, then nearly a whole generation of political leaders have been sort of burnt, burnt through, no? Like a whole gen, you know, this incredible, you had this incredible wave, obviously, of alvactism around um, Quince M, the Indignados, all this stuff. 
translated in, institutionally, you know, in different forms in different areas. And you had a, a generation of young leaders in their 30s, very capable, brilliant in terms of communication. And obviously today was um, Alberto Garzón's last day. Uh, Iglesias is out, uh, more or less, or whatever, whatever he, wherever he is at this point. Irene Montero now is an extra-parliamentary figure. Um, you know, Erohan is there, but not quite there, not in the front row. I mean, this whole generation, like what, do you have a, an analysis on that? Obviously, like, it's interesting now you have someone like Yolanda Diaz who maybe is, who ha- who's taken it slower, maybe you could say, you know, is, you know, she's had a slower trajectory building up to a sort of national figure level. And, you know, in that sense, it's, it's a slightly different dynamic. Other figures as well, the people she's bringing in, you know, it's it's not this sort of startup party the way Podemos was and, you know, extremely talented, but maybe they didn't have the staying power, really. Yeah, and I mean, what we learned, or at least what I learned from that experience is that, I mean, we cannot build dynamics that will end up in a permanent bonfire, right? And that is something that we've had pretty much in these past years. Of course, it is true that we've been passing through these transition years, right? And uh, whenever you face these kind of um, historical phases, uh, things tend to accelerate, right? And of course, acceleration means that the bodies also consume much more quicker than they used to do, right? That's something that we assumed pretty much from the beginning. I mean, we were not um, ingenuous. Yeah, uh, naive. Naive, that's it. We were not naive about it. I mean, we were pretty much sure that the this 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 uh, dynamics, you know, of, of permanent changes, of permanent news, of permanent... In a lot of ways, that also is kind of a train that, that passes through you, right? Or uh, over you, right? Um, as I say... We knew that we were going to face that that uh, dynamics. Uh, we have faced them, and now we have um, a pretty much populated cemetery, right? Um, and I mean that's something pretty much that we've learned in this in these years. The fact that even though the the the, the historical moment pressures you to um, enter that kind of you know crazy dynamics, we need to put some kind of serenity into the process, right? And that that's something that I think that Yolanda Diaz has understand quite well. The fact that we need to, she says, we need to take care of us. We came to take care of the people, but if we want to do that, it's absolutely basic that we don't, do not die in that trial, right? So, in a lot of ways, um, it's it's uh, it's good news that we are at least trying this new way of uh, relationship. I'm pretty sure that I don't know if it will be enough, but I'm quite sure that it will be much better than we we've been doing in this past years. So on Monday, to work hard to work, you got a whole four year term ahead of you. That's that's the plan. Yeah, when well, the plan is uh, today is a Friday, that means that we're going to celebrate 
as if there's no tomorrow, but there will be a tomorrow. And that means that uh, on Monday we will come back uh, with our best suit and our best um, spirits in order to face these new challenges. I mean, four months ago, we were, we were pretty much sure that we were out of the government. The fact that that did not happen was an incredible, incredible injection of morale, right? We need to make the most out of that, you know? We need to, you know, grab this momentum in order to put it four or five years ahead, right? And that is, and that is what, what we're going to try. I mean, we've designed a process that will take one and a half years, maybe. I mean, this is not something that will uh, be resolved tomorrow. I mean, we're going to face it with the, the necessary patience and the necessary will to uh, reach the point where we got to where we want to reach, right? Well, look, yeah, it's been a very, very intense week for for everyone, and yeah, I think yeah, you you deserve your well. It's Thursday, but it feels like a Friday, and yeah, I'll have to buy you a beer now. I think yeah. Well, look, th- thanks a lot for 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 coming on. It's a really interesting interview. It's a pleasure, Owen, as always.